Hi, I'm Reed Huberman, and I'm the lead pastor of Soma Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, and this is our podcast. We hope it fills your heart with the love of Christ and fuels your day with hope. Here's today's message. Would you rather? Now, if you've seen Would You Rather or played this game before, um, most of the time it's incredibly ridiculous. They ask questions like, would you rather fall off a 9,000-story foot building or have your head run over by a steamroller? And I'm just like... Neither, and you're dumb, I'm not playing this game. So would you rather, this is gonna be a little bit straightforward of uh, some answers here, and it's rhetorical, so you don't have to shout me down, but you can, if you feel so led throughout the sermon here today, just throw an amen here and there, never hurts. Um, So here's the question. Would you rather go to the Grand Canyon, or would you rather see a picture of the Grand Canyon? All right? Now, unless you're an agoraphobe, I think that's probably a pretty obvious one. You want to go, you want to see it, you want to experience the Grand Canyon for yourself. All right, now, let's say you have a family, even if you don't, for the sake of example, let's just say you've got a family and you're touring the Grand Canyon and your child gets lost in the tour. Would you rather continue the tour or do you stop everything and start looking for your child? Now, for those of you who are parents right now, you're saying, which child? Did they have sugar before Um, and that kind of stuff? No, but in all seriousness, I mean, obviously, you stop the tour and everything that you're doing, it doesn't matter how beautiful everything around you is, um, you have a love for that child and a relationship with that child and it outweighs everything else. So right there, we talked about experience and we talked about relationship. And there is an experiential, relational opportunity in the kingdom of God called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. God loves you guys too much to let you settle for just church. Is that okay to say? Listen, I'll put it, I'll make it personal to you. God loves you too much just to keep you settling for just Reed's message. I'm too messed up. All right, most of the time, for you just to be relegated to a Sunday morning listening to Reed preach a couple of songs, no, God has more for you. And it can be found in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God, I believe, has created Christianity as such a great belief system that it deserves to be more than just believed. It deserves to be enjoyed, and it deserves to be lived. No matter how great the preaching may be, there's more that God wants for you. Listen, I I hope on your bucket list, I hope on your bucket list, somewhere on that bucket list, before you leave this earth, you've got somewhere on there, and it says, it says revival. Listen, the greatest tragedy of the world would not be that you missed China. That's not the greatest interpretation, or uh, what's it called? Uh, the, the greatest uh, uh, mimicry there, but uh, it wouldn't be that you missed China. It wouldn't be that you missed the Grand Canyon or the seven wonders of the world or you never made it to Hawaii. You know the greatest tragedy would be if, you, if on your bucket list you never truly saw revival. And this is what I mean by revival. A true supernatural manifestation of God's presence in your life. Do do you guys want to see miracles? Do you want to see signs and wonders? I know we don't chase them. Come on. But but what I would say is this, is that I want everything that God has for me. I believe the posture of the human soul is hunger. The Bible says it this way, as the deer pants for water, so my soul longs after you. 
I believe that we get physically hungry, um, uh, obviously because we need to feed our bodies and we need to grow, but I also think it's a great analogy of what's happening spiritually because there's also a spiritual hunger inside of each and every one of us, and there's only one thing that's big enough to, to satisfy the human heart, and it's God, and it's God. So turn with me to Acts 1, 5 through 9, and you'll see exactly what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 5 through 9. And it says this. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the date the Father has set by his own authority. Now, we could say a lot about that, but I want to focus on, on, on what Jesus said. John baptized with water. I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Um, and then in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the utter ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So as you can see, as I said before, these are the last words of Jesus. It's a subject that um, I, I approach with a little bit of hesitancy because I want to make sure that I explain myself incredibly well and that I do a good job and justice to what's actually happening here in this text. But I have to also, if we're going to have a sermon series about last words, I cannot be timid in approaching this scripture verse about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus obviously thought it was important enough to make sure that he reminded his disciples, I'm going away, but there's something else that's gonna come in my place. I may not be here physically anymore, but I'm gonna send my Holy Spirit, and he's gonna come into your life in a powerful way. Now, let me ask just one more would you rather question with this in mind. Would you rather walk and talk with Jesus right in front of your face like the disciples did in the first century. You know, you see Jesus, you can touch Jesus, you're walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, or would you rather have the Holy Spirit? And some of you may not know, but I've heard this sentiment in a couple of different ways, many different times. People say, oh, my Christianity would be so much easier if, if I could just see Jesus. If I could just see him perform a miracle, by man, that would just build my faith in a way that, that, that you can't imagine. And, 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 and I think it misses what, what the Bible talks about when it talks about having the Holy Spirit. Did you know that you can't even go to Walmart if you've got the Holy Spirit without God being with you? I know some of you, you've probably had some miserable experiences at Walmart, and it depends on when you go. Come on, let's be honest. What hour of the day you go. But, but it doesn't matter how, how miserable those experiences were if you had God, the Holy Spirit, living inside of you. God was there. Any day of the week, it's better to have him living here than have him living out here. He walks with me, he talks with me, and he tells me I'm his own. And the love we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. That's the kind of love and the kind of power that God wants to bring beyond just a Sunday morning religion or just a good belief system to believe. God wants you to experience deep relationship with him. And so the word baptism here 
comes from the word baptizo, and it literally means to be fully submerged. So I want to make a distinction here. When I say baptism in the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about water baptism, okay? That, that happens after salvation, and water baptism is something we do. We dunk you in water, and if we really like you, we let you come up in a reasonable amount of time, right? All right, so that's something we do, all right? Baptism in the Holy Spirit is something that God does, Right? So, so you're saved, and then you're baptized in water, and, and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. This is the way it works. You cannot get saved without the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, but you only have a measure of the Holy Spirit. And then through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you receive more of him. This is what the word baptizo means. It means to be fully submerged. That's why when we baptize people, we don't sprinkle. We don't just do a little dabble, do you kind of thing. When we baptize people, we do the way they did it in the Bible. We fully submerge people in water. That's what the word baptizo means, to be fully submerged in water. And, and when Jesus is saying, you're going to be baptized in a couple of days with the Holy Spirit. What he's saying is that you guys have received the Holy Spirit in measure because you can't come to me unless the Father draws you through the Spirit. Um, and he's saying you've received it in measure, but there's more. You, you've gotten a little bit of it, but there's more. There's no way you can get saved without the Holy Spirit. So yes, you have the Holy Spirit, but there's more. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. Think about it this way. You can take a bottle, you can fill it with water. It's got water inside of it now, and then you can cap it. But, but that bottle hasn't yet been submerged. No, what you have to do is you have to take that bottle that's got water in it, and you have to throw that thing in the ocean. And then that water bottle has been baptized. It's been fully submerged in God. And that's what Jesus is kind of talking about here when he talks about baptism in the Holy Spirit, being fully submerged in who God is, being fully submerged and before God did anything awesome in the Bible, guys, this is how awesome the Holy Spirit is and how much we need the Holy Spirit. Before God did anything in the Bible, he sent the Holy Spirit. Before the earth was created, God sent the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus was born, God sent the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus' ministry, God sent the Holy Spirit. Before the church was born in the book of Acts, God sent the Holy Spirit. And before anything amazing truly happens in your life, I believe the same is true of you, that God wants to send you his spirit to help you, to be with you, to guide you every step along the way in your life. God wants to send his spirit, not just in measure, man. He wants to douse you. He doesn't want just you to be satisfied with a little bit of him. He wants you to know him deeply and intimately and personally and more than you could ever imagine. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. And, and here's this quote that I think we'll try to underscore before we talk about, really get into depth of what the, the Holy Spirit is and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Here's this quote that I hope kind of, I hope you can understand and I hope you take some time to think about it. And this is from William Booth. He's the founder of the Salvation Army. This is what he said. He said, I believe that the chief, chief danger of the 20th century, 20th century now, Okay? I believe the chief danger of the 20th century will be that we will have religion without the Holy Spirit, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without true regeneration, and politics without God, and heaven without hell. Now, if you would agree with William Booth, maybe you can agree with this assessment. Maybe the chief danger of the 21st century is that each and every one of these things have taken place, and we have either not noticed or only lamented it and done nothing about it. 
But for our concern today, the chief one that we want to look at is just this. We cannot settle for religion without the Holy Spirit. Is there anybody here that wants more? Is there anybody that wants to go deeper? Is there anybody that wants to go from the natural to the supernatural? That wants to see God do the things that he promised he would do in the Bible and not settle for anything less? Yeah, I, I guarantee you, listen, it'll take you from doing this on a Sunday morning to doing this. It'll change some things when, when it truly enters your heart. By the way, that's not an excuse for me to drone on and on, so I will try to be quick. But listen, so let's talk about what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is so that you can see this isn't a doctrinal thing. This isn't a read thing. This isn't a Soma thing. This is a Bible thing. Um, sometimes it's called the second blessing, um, meaning that it is an experience with God that happens after salvation, that, that it is something um, beyond or subsequent to your salvation, and the way that you know this is that you can see a pattern throughout the book of Acts and throughout the Bible with the way God does things. And I want to try to illustrate that pattern for you. So I've got to do some groundwork. So I hope you love the Bible. I'm going to try to go as quickly as I can to show you the pattern of people getting saved, people getting baptized in water, and then people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Before I do that, I don't want you to think that I am prescribing a method that this will happen in this way every single time. Furthermore, I do not want you to think that when I say baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm speaking of a singular experience. Here's what I would say above it all, is that baptism in the Holy Spirit is an ongoing experience with a relational God that wants to meet with you. That's kind of what baptism of the Holy Spirit is. But I want to show you this because there are some people who believe this, that when you got saved, you got all the Holy Spirit you'll ever need. Like you were good. And, 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 and I want to show you the, that that's not the pattern of Scripture. Moreover, I just think logically speaking, if that's true, then God may be not as big as we think he is if we got all we need the day we got saved. No, God's so big that he will pour into our lives every single day and we'll still only scratch the surface of everything that God is and who he wants to be in our life. I mean, the Bible says this, that his mercies are new every morning. You think you saw mercy, but just wait till tomorrow. It gets better. So God wants to keep on doing more and more and more and more in your life. So let me show you this pattern. Of course, we have um, the day of Pentecost, and some of you don't know what that is, and I'm not going to explain it too, too much, just enough to let you understand kind of what's going on. So Jesus says, I'm going to give you the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this experience with, with me, this relational experience with me, and it's going to happen to you. You just, you, you, you just wait on that experience. And then it happens in the very next chapter, in Acts chapter 2. God sends the Holy Spirit. And you can see in Acts 2, 38 through 39. And to try to kind of reinforce this idea, what do you think would have happened to, let's just say, Peter? What if Peter died while he was waiting on the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Like, uh, the day of Pentecost means 50th day. And so Jesus was with his disciples 40 days, and then he leaves, and then they 10 days they pray in a room. And on the 10th day, on Pentecost, 50th day, that's when the Holy Spirit comes. Um, what would happen if on that ninth day, the day before Pentecost, Peter died? Would Peter have gone to heaven? I think the obvious answer is yes. Peter was a believer, he loved God. Yes, he forsook God, he repented of that, and he's following God, he loves Jesus. So I think it's very obvious, Peter was a believer. Peter was a believer. 
And if he had died on that ninth day, yeah, he would have gone to heaven. So what does that mean? He's saved. But he's not yet baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, they've done some pretty amazing things in, in, in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those stories about Jesus while Jesus was here. But I guarantee you, take some time to go read the book of Acts, you'll see a totally different Peter. Because he had a measure of Jesus in the Gospels, and now he's being baptized with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. So to show this a little bit further, Acts 8, 14 through 16. This is uh, uh, Philip. One of the followers of Jesus has um, uh, gone up to Samaria and he's preaching and people are getting saved, it tells us. Great things are taking place, but it doesn't happen until Peter comes up there and he prays for the people in Samaria that then they are baptized with the Holy Spirit. So they've been saved, but they haven't yet been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts 9, 17. Now this is Paul, the apostle. He just got saved. You'll see in the Bible his name is Saul because his name will, will later change. Um, but Saul, Paul, just got saved. And, and he's been speaking to God for three days in a room. And God speaks to a man and tells him to go to see Paul and says, I want you to go pray for him so that he will receive the Holy Spirit. So Paul saved, but not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, 44. Cornelius, a God-fearing man, a man that's doing great things and, um, and serving people all over his city, has a vision of God. I think it's clear. It doesn't ever come out and say he's saved, but I think it's clear that he is a, is a man that's trying to follow God to the best of his ability. And God even speaks to him. You ever had that happen to you? In a vision. And he tells him, hey, there's a guy that's going to come to your house. Or, or you need to go send for this guy and come get him to your house. Um, and, and so he sends some people to go get Peter, and Peter says, God spoke to me too, and he comes to Cornelius' house, and so he's speaking to them, and as he's speaking to them, this is the key here. So I know this is kind of going the long way around to get to it, but I want to show you this is an incredibly biblical concept. As he's speaking to them, he says this, you guys have heard, and, and you know, and you know this happened, you know this Jesus, you know he went to the cross, you know what he did when he was here, you know that he rose from the, he said, you know all this, and you believe all this is kind of the implication. And as he's speaking to them, people that I think we can safely assume are saved people, the Holy Spirit falls. The Holy Spirit moves in their midst. So saved, but needing in the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 19, and I do want to take you here, guys, just so that you can see it yourself. And I want to take a little bit of time just to try to explain it to the best of my ability, and then we'll move on. This is Acts 19, and this is verses 2 through 6. And it says this, And ask them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, this is Paul speaking to some men in Ephesus. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered him, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, I think, personally, when they say believed here, it's not saying believed on Jesus, believed the gospel. I'm not positive these guys are Christians. Um, because it says here next, this is what has happened to them thus far. So watch the pattern. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? So what submersion did you really receive? And they said John's baptism. You remember what Jesus said in Acts 1, his last words, that John baptized with water, but in a few days I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So these guys have received the baptism of John. Now let me read on, and then I'll try to explain a little bit more. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Okay, so we know what John's baptism was. It was a baptism of repentance in water. And he told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. So it has with it some implication that there is a Messiah. Um, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So I think what this means to us is that they accept Jesus as that Messiah, whereas before 
They had only had a baptism of John, which is a baptism of moralism or a baptism of turning away from your sins. This reason this is important is because we can water down Christianity in our generation just to merely make it about life principles and about being a good person. Everybody, for the most part, unless you have something wrong upstairs, you want to be a good person and you want a better life. But we cannot merely turn Christianity in just to a source of a better life. We must turn it into something that is either the, the religion and the faith that carries with it the power of God or not. It either is what Jesus said it was or it is not. And so he's basically speaking to some people who have just accepted a, a good way of living, but he says, now you need to accept Jesus, and they do. He's, they're baptized in water. And then the very next thing it says is this, is when Paul placed his hands on them after he baptized them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Now that may scare some of you, but don't be scared. Let's just, let's just see it for what it is. The pattern that we're trying to show here is this, is that they'd accepted some type of religious idea and then they accepted Jesus and then they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. So God wants to bring the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and hopefully you can see. I know I went through a lot of different stories here, but just to show you the overwhelming evidence is this, is that God, after you're saved, he's not done with you. He's got more for you, and he wants to do something supernatural, powerful, submerge you fully in the Spirit of God. That's what he wants to do. And so what does that mean? So we've talked kind of about what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a second experience beyond salvation. It's a second blessing, as some people call it. So, now let's, we've talked about what it is, but let's say, how do we know that we're baptized with the Holy Spirit? Well, here's how you know. In Acts chapter two, verses two through three, it says this, that when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost, this is the first instance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the Bible um, that we see really clearly. It says this, that they heard the sound, now I hope you get this, they heard the sound of a rushing wind, and then they saw what looked like fire over the disciples' head. Now, I know, this sounds weird to people. This is why preachers love to avoid it, because it sounds weird to people. But suffice to say that this is what's kind of taken place, is that they are having an experience with God. It is an experiential thing. It's not just a cerebral thing, but it's something they can see and something they can hear. Now, I'll put it to you this way. When I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit myself, it felt like I was sticking one finger inside of a light socket and like a thousand volts of electricity were running through my body. That's the only way I can think to describe it. And now if I was a Bible writer and I wrote that down in the Bible, you would think to yourself, that sounds painful. But it's the best way that I can think to describe it to you. And I think that's kind of what's going on here. Um, is they're, they're telling you that, that, that this happened, but they're trying to explain it to you in a way that, to tell you that if you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, guess what? You'll know, because it's powerful. It's powerful. You go back to Acts 1, and it says this, for John baptized with water, but I'm gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then it says this, but you will receive, and this is verse eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It will be a supernatural experience that is powerful and gives you power. Now I wanna do justice to the text and just say this, that it says that, that power will come upon you through the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses. So if I can describe this to you, 
Essentially, you'll know you're baptized with the Holy Spirit because it will be an experience that is powerful, but you'll also know that you are baptized with the Holy Spirit because it will give you a passion for Jesus that you cannot keep to yourself. That's what it means. You will be my witnesses. You'll testify of me. You'll tell other people about me. And that's exactly what the disciples did. You will be so in love with God when you get the baptism that you will not want to keep this experience to yourself. Come on, some of you just saw Avengers Endgame and you cannot keep the endgame to yourself. You got to be careful if you haven't seen the movie yet. I'm already trying to edit it because we're going to take our team to see it next week. And by the way, if you're looking for a church, yes, we are that kind of church. We're going to have fun. And uh, so if you want to go see Avengers Endgame, jump on this train, baby. Um, <clears throat> but, but you tell people all the time about stuff that you love. Oh, you got to try this restaurant. Oh, you got to try this TV show. Oh, man, you got to try this. You got to try that. And, and, and we tell people things we love all the time. Why? Because we can't keep experiences to ourselves. And the same thing is true of Jesus. No, we don't beat people over the head. No, no, we don't say, hey, you're going to hell, hail. That's why they said it back where I was from. Hail is not hell, hail. Um, that's not what we're going after here. But no, it's, it's such a contagious faith. It's such a powerful experience that you don't want to keep it to yourself. You want to tell as many people as you possibly can what God has done in you and through you. So that's what the Holy Spirit is. So as we wind down our time today, if you are not convinced yet, let me just try to whet your appetite just a little bit more to tell you how much we all need the Holy Spirit and how much we need more of him. Because I believe today, if you've never had that powerful experience, if you can't say, I don't know, if you, if you do say, I don't know if I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit, if you would say that, I believe that God's going to move today and he's going to baptize some people in the Holy Spirit. And that powerful transaction is going to take place today here at Soma Church. Guys, I don't want just Christianity. I, 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 I don't want, and I, what I mean by that is this, is I don't want just a system of belief. I want God. And this is the promise of Christianity, which is the beautiful thing about it, is that it carries more than just a system of belief, a way of living life. It carries with it the very presence of God. And so here's what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is an advocate or an attorney or one that pleads our case for us. You ever, you ever find yourself struggling? You don't have to struggle alone anymore. Because if you get the Holy Spirit, he's your advocate. He's got your, he's got your back. You don't have to fight alone. You're not in the battle by yourself if you've got the Holy Spirit. Want to know the word better? Ever find yourself opening up the word and you think to yourself, man, I can't understand this thing. Or, or the, what, what is with the these and the thous? Man, I know your pain. But you want to know it better? Get the Holy Spirit because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. He knows it better than anybody. He can tell you about it. Ever find that there's blind spots in your life, areas of your life that you're not aware of that are dragging you down, stealing purpose from you, stealing joy from you, and, and, you're, and you don't know what it is, you can't put your finger on it? The Bible may call it sin, um, and, and, but, but there's things in your life that are keeping you from what God wants to do in your life. We all have them. Raise your hand if you feel like you got blind spots. Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, it's because you got blind spots, by the way. All right, so... We all got blind spots, but here's what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, that he's the convictor of sin, that he will speak to you. You don't need just your wife to tell you how mean you are sometimes. You can get the Holy Spirit, and you can save yourself some, some pain. 
You know, most of us change because the, the, the weight of staying the same is more painful than the, than the pain of changing. That's typically how change takes place. Like, it's more painful to stay the way I am than, 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 to, than, than to actually take the pain and the, and, the, and the struggle and the hardship of change. But does anybody want to subvert that process? Does anybody not want to have to put their marriage on the altar of their, of their idiosyncrasies and their personality or have to struggle with the pain of, of your, your difficulties? Does anybody want the Holy Spirit just to come on in and just kind of start speaking to you about some things that he can do to help you in your life? That's what the Holy Spirit does. You feeling stuck? You feeling like your past season was something that you can't get the taste out of your mouth and, and you're finding it hard to trust people in the future and you're still reeling from this last season? Well, get the Holy Spirit because he will reveal to you what the future is all about and he'll help you to go from your last season to your present season. He'll help you change addresses and realize, man, you're not around the same people you used to be around. So quit treating these people like those people and, and move forward. He's the spirit that leads into all truth. He's the intercessor. Need help praying? You ever wonder to yourself, what am I supposed to pray here, God? I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. Ever found yourself in such pain, in such desperation? I don't know what to say, God. The Holy Spirit will help you. The Bible calls him the spirit of God, so you need to know. We're not talking about just some other thing. We're talking about God himself. The spirit comes in you, and the spirit is God. The Bible calls him the spirit of life. Do you want the abundant life that Jesus promised? I believe that happens when you get the Holy Spirit and are baptized with the Holy Spirit. You ever feel far from God? Like you're praying and it's just like those prayers are just hitting the ceiling and bouncing off and coming back to you. Well, the witness of our sonship is the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our soul that we are the children of God. Come on, somebody. If you're feeling far from God, what you need is you just need some time in the Holy Spirit. And guess what? You'll, you'll be good. You'll start to feel like a son or a daughter. You'll start to feel like God's not too far away, that he's living inside of you. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. The conclusion of the matter is just this, guys. Is that if we believe what was spoken here today, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for you. And Acts 2, 38 through 39 says this. Just so you know, that it is for you and for your children and your children's children. It wasn't just for the first century. It wasn't just for those guys back then. It's for you today, now. God doesn't want you to walk around with just enough. He wants you dripping. He wants you submerged. He wants you full of the Spirit of God. So we've talked about what it is, how you know, and then in conclusion, I will just say this. This is how we get it. Pray. Acts 1.14 says this, that they spent 10 days up in the upper room praying. Now, I'm not saying you have to follow that pattern, but what I am saying, the pattern in the Bible is this, is that if you want the Holy Spirit, all you have to do is pray and just ask him. You don't have to be clean. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be in your Sunday best. You don't, I mean, they were wearing togas and sandals back then. You can be in togas and sandals if you want to. And the Holy Spirit will come and manifest his presence in your life if you pray and you ask him. The Bible says this in Luke um, eleven thirteen. It says this. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, you love your kids and you want to give them good gifts, how much more will I, your Father in heaven, give you the Holy Spirit if you ask me for it. He will give it to you if you ask him for it. 
So for those of you who may never have experienced this before, and maybe I didn't even do a good job of explaining it here today, but you would say, all right, well, I, I want to feel it. I want to know it. I want to I experience God. And for those of you who have, who have experienced it, but you just need God to touch you here this, this morning, and you need a, a deeper impartation of the Holy Spirit, and you want to walk in a deeper way with him, the, the, the Holy Spirit is here if you ask him to baptize you here today, to fully submerge you. So here's my suggestion to you. Regardless of if you decide to come up for prayer today or you go back home and you think on these words and you go back to the scripture and you say, is read right about this baptism of the Holy Spirit thing. Does, does, does God wanna give me more than what I presently have? And I think the unanimous answer would have to be yes. But you go back and you think about this. Here's my encouragement to each and every one of you. And this will make Soma Church the church that I, that I always believed that it could be when I was praying about this church before it even ever materialized, is that if you want the Holy Spirit, don't wait for Sunday, go build a fireplace and the fire will come. Go build a fireplace and the fire will come. Go to your home, find a place where you can meet with God. The Bible calls it a, a closet or maybe an altar. Go find a place where you can just be with God on a daily basis and watch. Before God ever sent fire in the Old Testament, it usually came upon an altar. So, so men and women had to come to a place where they built a place where they could meet with God. And then in the meeting of God, God would send his fire. God would send his presence. So if you find a meeting place with God on a daily basis and you create that space for you to meet with God and God to meet with you, I will guarantee you that God will do it because that's what his word says. He wants to give you this gift. All you have to do is go build a fireplace and then get ready for fire. Listen, this is what I want for Soma Church, guys. This is what I want. I want us to experience God when we come here. I want it to be powerful, yes, but I think the best expression of that is this, is that Monday through Saturday, each and every one of us have been building a fireplace and then we have been warmed by the presence of the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis. So that when we come in here on a Sunday, we all are having a shared experience with what God has done throughout the week in our lives and we're all burning for him when we arrive. So that whenever our guests come, and they, and they come into this place, they will feel the warmth emanating on each and every one of us of the Holy Spirit. So if they need breakthrough, they can find it. If they need healing, they can find it here at Soma Church because we're a people who are not satisfied with just enough. We want more. We want him. Would you stand on your feet with me? And the Holy Spirit is here in this place right now in this very moment. I just want you to take a moment before we jump into this next song. I want you to take a moment and just to search your heart and just ask what God would have you do as a result of this message. What is your next step? For those of you that might be that you need to come to Christ, that you need to accept him for the very first time. This message essentially comes just from my experience that I grew up deceived thinking that I was a Christian for a very long time you know, I would even do things. This is going to sound dumb to you guys. I would even do things like say, I'm going to fast smoking pot for two weeks just for God. Like, is that, not, is that not the dumbest thing? Like, I'm going to fast the thing I'm not supposed to be doing anyway to God. This is how deceived I was and how confused I was. But, but I, I would have told you that I believed in God. And every once in a while, I'd go to church, you know, when it suited me and all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't until the baptism of the Holy Spirit that things changed for me. And my life took a total 180. 
And, and it was no longer just a thing I did on Sunday, but it was a, an experience I was having throughout the week. Oh, if I could just explain it to you. Oh, if I could tell you the heart of God. Oh, if I could be a conduit and get out of the way and just share with you how desperately he loves you. If the cross doesn't say it, I don't know what will. But God loves you so passionately that he was willing to pour out every last ounce of his blood for the pursuit of you. Don't be satisfied with just religion. Don't be satisfied with just a moral lifestyle. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. For more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our channel for past episodes. If you liked what you heard, please consider rating or even sharing it with friends. That would mean so much to us. For more content from Soma Church or to connect with us, go to soma-church.com. We love you and we can't wait to meet you.